0: Who is the mama coach? Um, we connected when back in February. Yeah, we did at um, the Make Birth Better conference, and then have uh, reconnected over the joys of Instagram. <laughs> yeah. So, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Sophie. So, I'm a mum
1: of four boys, um, including twins, wow. and I am a, a hypnobirthing teacher and a aromatherapist hypnotherapist including CBT and mindfulness, um, a Reiki practitioner, <laughs> an ex-singer. Wow, the list goes on. <laughs> and um, I think all of it really comes nicely together um, uh, as my role as the mama coach. So I coach um, and teach and, um, and help people perinatally, so that's prenatal and postnatal. Um, I also help, help women going through transitional times in their lives as well, so it could be going back into work after maternity leave,
0: yeah.
1: um, anything that brings up a time of anxiety or intense stress mm. or depression perhaps, um, so going into menopause as well, perimenopause, yeah. all of those times that can bring
0: up a lot of questions for us, that's when I really like to step in and help. And when you um, say that you help around these times, what is it, how, how does that sort of, what does that look like? Is it through so counselling or yeah, it's Yeah, it's therapy
1: essentially. So um, I'm very person focused in the way I work. Yeah. Um, I work holistically. So it would be a consultation with somebody to find out exactly what it is that they need. Yeah. And then we look at what will work for them. So whether or not it will be a very prescribed CBT approach, perhaps that's the best thing. Yeah. Or a combination of hypnosis and CBT or just mindfulness. Yeah. Or really, you know, it, it does, I think it's all kind of topped off nicely with the aromatherapy as well. Every client that I see gets personalized blends and goes away understanding what, how aromatherapy can help them in life as well. Um, I think it's... It's just about kind of looking at somebody and their life and what they want from life and how they want to live their life um, and then helping them through that. It's looking at it it as a whole picture. Yeah, sometimes we can just get a bit stuck and and understanding really what anxiety is and how it can help. So we do a lot of psychoeducation as well because anxiety can be very helpful. Um, but it's about learning to master it and not the other way around.
0: Ah, that's interesting. I've never heard it <laughs> framed in that way. But I mean, I guess everyone deals with anxiety on different levels yeah. at different times of life. And yeah, as you said, being able to sort of harness it.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've experienced it um, many times in my life, in you know, uh, times when it's been very helpful, when I used to be a performer you know, used to kind of wake me up and yeah, get me be on stage or sing into a microphone in a, in a radio station or whatever it was. Um, but obviously then uh, when having children, there's been, you know, a different form of anxiety really mm. um, as a result of um, some negative experiences or experiences of just becoming a mother and not knowing what to do mm. and not knowing if I'm doing the right thing and all of those questions that crop up so anxiety is you know different for everybody in the way Mm. that we deal with it for sure and sometimes it can be very very debilitating and prevent you from from actually doing much at all and other times it can be something that really fuels you to get up and
0: and take action yeah it's a really nice um, viewpoint of of giving anxiety that uh, positive use Mm -hmm. as well um, so tell me, how did you come to this work? How did you become the mama coach? <laughs> <laughs> I would never have thought that I would be doing this work.
1: Um, years ago, I was a professional singer. That's all I wanted to do in my 20s. Yeah. Um, and then I fell into, um, in film actually, I was working in film production. And that was all I wanted to do then as well, so... Um, I then met my now husband, um, and uh, I'd been told in my twenties that I couldn't necessarily have children. Um, I had a great big lump the size of a grapefruit in my right fallopian tube that had to wow. be removed, and they wow. told me, and I also have polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, so they told me that uh, I wouldn't conceive from that side, there was too much scar tissue, that yes. fallopian tube. Um, and that I didn't really ovulate very often, so the likelihood of falling pregnant naturally, if ever at all, was very slim. So I was actually seeing um, a chap called Professor Franks, who was the leading, uh, leading um, doctor for research in polycystic ovarian syndrome. I offered myself up as a guinea pig. Oh. I used to do lots of hormonal tests and things like that on me. Um, and I hope it, al- along the way it might have helped somebody. Yeah. Um, but I met my husband, and nine months later, I'd fallen pregnant.
0: Wow. <laughs> right having man, right time.
1: Him, I know, but having told him as well that I couldn't,
0: <laughs> it was he, a bit He awkward. was like, oh, you've trapped me. <laughs> well,
1: and I, I, think, I think there might have been a moment of that, but he actually said to me that I'd made him the happiest man alive. Oh. So it was very lucky, yeah. because he really could have run a mile. Um, and he's still with me,
0: so yeah. okay. No so you know it was true.
1: Yeah, just about, <laughs> just about. Um, and so that pregnancy, I spent um, on my own, living on my own because I was in Brighton. He was in London for six months, mm. and then we finally moved in
0: together. Um, How was that being pregnant?
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: By yourself. <laughs> I think I mean...
1: I I, I felt I'm quite resilient. Yeah. Um, and I was very determined and I also worked for some producers that were making sure that if I left earlier, left the job earlier, that mm. I wouldn't get the payout that mm. <laughs> I, that was coming to me for all that hard work that I put mm. into it, so that was my incentive really. Yeah. Um, and I would see Phil at weekends and mm. occasionally on a Wednesday night or something we would yeah. stay with each other. Um, so it was okay but uh, by six months i was really ready to have a bit of extra support yeah um so i moved in with him um in london and uh, and yeah it was great i mean it was it, it was lovely to to fall into a lovely community in broccoli there mm. um and i had um i had ollie on christmas eve oh wow um but it was a very traumatic birth experience so to answer your question about why I do what I do now, well many years ago back in 2000 I, um, I studied aromatherapy and Reiki and holistic massage yeah. and didn't really do much with it. I tried my hat at, um, at being a professional aromatherapist but I, it was quite hard to get the work and I, 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 my heart wasn't 100% in it. Um, so I carried on singing and, and doing other temping jobs and then fell into the film yeah. as well. Um, so it was always on a back burner. So when I left um, my, my work as, as a production assistant, it was great that I had something to fall back on, that yeah. I said, right, I can use this. And when I had Ollie, um, once I'd, I'd sort of landed, essentially, because it was a very traumatic birth, um, I, I got stuck into massaging him and then went and learned how to teach baby massage. great, okay. And and that was brilliant. It was quite therapeutic, hosting groups of women. Uh, We would talk very much about our birthing experiences. I Mm. would facilitate that um, and learnt quite quickly about all the different experiences that everybody was having and putting connections together in terms of the reasons why perhaps they were having those experiences. And I started Mm. to be more intrigued about pregnancy and birth and parenting as a result, seeing such lovely results of people just putting their hands on their babies and having that connection, yeah. getting, you know, really studying long and hard about oxytocin um, and endorphins. And it was, it was really therapeutic for me and lovely to see other people getting so much from it as well. But at the time I was thinking I need to be doing more as well, so I was yeah. doing a bit of aromatherapy, pregnancy aromatherapy for people. But it still wasn't enough. Um, and, uh, and I had a really um, positive birth with my second baby, okay. having hypno hypnobirthing. Okay. And um, as a result, that, um, that was my home birth. With Amazing. Him, it, was, it was very healing after yeah. the first experience. But um, at that time, I was like, if I can do this, then I've got to show this to other people I can teach other people this and I remember saying to my husband when I had babe in arms we'd just been settled on the sofa with a cup of tea made by the midwives and I said this to him I was like I need to do this I think this is my calling and he said I think you're right yeah um I'd had a a beautiful hypnobirth I was very lucky um but I also thought it's not just luck this is you know mind over body this is yeah 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 this is about so much more than that. Um, so I went and learned almost straight away <laughs> how to be a hypnobirthing teacher. So I, um, I created my business in London then, Calm Birth, Calm Baby, which okay. was hypnobirthing, baby massage, aromatherapy, and, yeah. and then some other practitioners came on board as well. Um, and it became like a hub, really, for people to go to, to get anything pre and postnatal yeah. that was gonna be helpful yeah in terms of
0: therapies anyway so you're it's, it's really nice and i think i also see a similarity in that your business or around birth and parenting grew as you grew into your role as a mother yeah at home um you have mentioned that you had a traumatic experience with your first labor are you happy to talk about
1: that? Yeah, I I do talk about it, and I often um talk to my clients about it as well because I think it can be very helpful. Mm. Um, it's very much why I do what I do. Mm. Um, so yes, it was um a shoulder dystocia birth. Okay, and which for people that don't know yeah, what that is, <laughs> it's quite rare. Um yeah. but it's essentially when the um the baby gets stuck on the way out, and um. Basically, son number one had hit the umbilical cord wrapped a lot around his his throat, his neck. Yeah. Um, and as a result, because he was stuck for a long time, um, it stopped the blood flow, and uh, there was, you know, no pulse, no heart rate. Um, because he was stuck, the way he was stuck, they have to perform a procedure um, on you that is quite violent,
0: which okay. is
1: essentially. Um, giving you an episiotomy, putting your knees up around your ears while yeah. you're on your back,
0: yeah,
1: and having people push on your abdomen downwards to push the baby push down baby and also pull him or the baby out from inside you at the other end with as well. H- is that with forceps? Yeah, this was uh, von Yeah. Um. Yeah. So lucky they did what they did when they did it. Um, because they had to assess him for more than three minutes, he was, he was not with us essentially, um, and then they whisked him off to NICU, um, while a very shaky-handed obstetrician said, "I need to stitch you up now." I've kn- that was my first shoulder dystocia. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm shaking a bit, and I'm there going, "You're shaking," um, but thinking I lost him, because, I the shock of it, yeah, was. I think at the time, for me, it was more... Oh, I remember thinking, oh, well, I wasn't supposed to be pregnant. I wasn't supposed to be able to have children anyway. And I thought he'd died. I thought they'd just taken him away. (laughs) It was really hard. Um, And then that was Christmas Eve as well. And I just remember six hours later, them saying, you can go and see him. And I'm saying, what? Is he okay. Because despite the fact that my husband had gone to see him in the incubator, it, I was in complete shock. Yeah. And, and I just thought, he's gone. He's You know, that's what was meant to happen.
0: I'm just, I just feel like full <laughs> disclosure because no one can see us. I am full on crying right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's just, you, I mean, it, I can't imagine. I can't imagine it. Yeah. It just feels painful so much pain
1: yeah and and it was and the thing is is that it it wasn't painful enough until later on Mm. if if that makes sense because of Um, the shock I was in shock yeah and nobody actually asked me if I was okay not one single person said are you okay um and I paced the corridors of that hospital it was King's College um for days week uh, to, until I was able to, to, to take him home. So it was a week. He recovered so quickly. Um, I, I would be with him as much as I could, but mm. a lot of the time also I was sent away and I'd have to go back to my bed in the hospital and just wait until it was the time to be with him again. And mm. That was hard. Mm. I remember about day five, my poor husband... Um, was with me and, and, and I was saying, I, I need to see him. I need to go and see my baby now, I need to see Ollie. And he said, well, the doctors have said that we can't because they're doing their rounds. And I screamed at him and I said, get me to my baby now, I need yeah. to see him. Um, the animal kind of instinct of yeah. needing to be with him, the protector, everything was just like, actually, no, he's better off with me now. And I said that to um, the nurses and the doctors I said, "What are you doing, keeping my baby and I apart? Yeah. This is this is not natural and it's not normal, and we need to be together. And he needs me. Mm. Um, he was jaundice and he'd lost quite a lot of birth weight very quickly as a result of the birth. Um, but he was he was doing all right. And for me, I just didn't want him in that environment where there were lots of very poorly babies and." It's a very surgical, very clinical experience. Mm. And I had, obviously in my head, thought that that his first moments in my arms would be very different, very calm, quiet, nurturing, all of that. And I just, my protection wanted to just take him and wrap him up and run away with him, to be honest. I had, um, as a result of the, the shock and the trauma, I was having a lot of dreams that were of me take running away with him um but without being too triggering some of those dreams were also really really upsetting in terms of him not being alive and um, it was was really intense but again in that whole week that we were there not one person asked me if i was okay apart from my poor husband who just didn't know what to do
0: i mean the the obviously the emphasis of that experience and, and is your lived experience. Yeah. But as you said, your husband, they I think that's so often forgotten that yeah. the partner is having an experience as well. Yeah, he he really he he didn't know what to do and,
1: and I think, you know, his family also didn't know what to say. They're not particularly emotionally close in that way. They mm. don't really talk about the feelings. Um, I think people were very much of the, oh, well, he's alive, so yep. so it's fine then, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and not once really. Well, I think it's people wanting you to be okay, being very fearful of the fact that you might not be, but not knowing what to say or how to say it.
0: Yeah.
1: So, but the sadness in that is that because it was Christmas time, there was a lot of staff changeover. It, it, there just wasn't any continuity to the care that we were getting. Um, and it didn't feel at all caring. Yeah. Um, so when we got home, um, Ollie had colic, um, he, he, but he was okay. We managed to breastfeed, um, and, and, and we got on with things, but I, I wasn't myself. And it took my family about nine, 10 months to finally get me to realize that I wasn't acting myself. Okay. I, I I've dived into setting up my business at the time and I spent all my time researching and and setting it up when I wasn't feeding Ollie and mm. taking him for walks mm. um and teaching baby massage, but I was really, really into that and everyone mm. was saying that it's a bit abnormal. I was so obsessed, so so just like this is gonna happen, I'm gonna do it. I mean yeah. some people would see that as really good drive. <laughs> But this wasn't. There's a line, isn't there? Yeah. And also because I, at the time, didn't know any better, but I was, even though I knew about oxytocin, I was trying to follow the Gene Forward method because that's what my friends were doing. And I look back on it now and I just think, what was I, how could I, 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 you know, we chatted earlier, but I was just, I do feel a little bit guilty, even with with all that I know about guilt and shame. I know a lot about it as a therapist, mm. it still doesn't stop it from propping up and thinking, mm. what have I done to my child? Um, and, and so I wasn't dealing with things very well. I think in some ways that was another avoidance t- tactic. Yeah. It was like, well, I'm following this method, so therefore. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I learned so much from that experience. I did eventually get some help. Um, I was put on a, sm- a low dose of sertraline, which is a, an antidepressant, it's an ex- it's serotonin based. Yeah. And I had uh, CBT, so I had, what was it, eight, ten sessions of, of CBT. Um, I did have to wait a while for it, and when I started it, I was kind of recovering um, anyway, okay. but it was really useful, and, and that was the first time I'd ever had any talking therapy. Okay. Um, so it opened my eyes to that like that again is why I thought, hmm, I think I can yeah. I can help people like this. I need to learn to yeah. do this myself. Um so I, I did learn a lot from that. Um, yeah. and I reflect always on all of my experiences in in every with every client that I see, not in this amount of detail yeah. but the empathy and the compassion yeah. that I feel for somebody. Yeah. Um, who is not necessarily feeling themselves or as being you know who is afraid to reach out yeah. to a professional um because they feel like they're not that kind of person um, yeah I I really know how that feels yeah. I would never have put myself down as somebody that was suffering with um mental illness yeah um, postnatal depression and certainly wouldn't have known that I was experiencing PTSD with the flashbacks. That I was having yeah. from the birth and the nightmares I was having, um, and it did find it. The, the real crunch point in terms of getting the therapy was not only my family telling me that I wasn't being normal, but there was one day where I, I Ollie had been crying so much and I was so tired, and I closed. I walked out of the house and I closed the front door and I walked down the end of the street and I thought I was going to run away. And he was on yeah. his own in the house and I got to the edge of the road about a hundred yards down the road and something stopped me and I just burst into tears and I realized oh my god you need some help yeah went back in the house and just held on to him yeah um and then the husband came home I said I need help I really need help um and you know it takes a lot to get to that point so I I really understand that you know a lot of the work that I do is is reaching out to people and saying it's okay that mm. you know that this is this can be quite normal actually as a yeah. result of having a negative birthing experience yeah and and there are you know even if you just need to talk it through that's okay nobody's mm. going to judge you mm. nobody's going to feel that you know that you are ill equipped as a mother that you know I used to w- worry so much about. Social services coming and taking the baby away, and yeah. that's so common. As yeah. Well. Um, to think that those intrusive thoughts, you know, if somebody just said, actually, you know what, think, worrying about the fact that you might drop your baby down the stairs is actually quite normal. Um, so the, the compassion that I have for other people, you know, and, and now I'm so experienced down the line that I have anybody in my postpartum groups, I kind of almost instantly yeah. know yeah. it went before they do. Yeah, no, I don't obviously go out and
0: say, um, uh-huh. but,
1: but I do say, yeah. how are you feeling? Yeah. Do you
0: want to talk? Yeah. I think for a lot of, um, women becoming a parent is big enough. When you add in, um, a negative birthing experience or a traumatic birthing experience, compounded with just becoming a parent and then adding in that no one's asking how are you mm. um it's the kind of a recipe for yeah. disaster yeah um and i think i mean having conversations like this it, it, um, is my hope that it's allowing other people to go oh okay well it's, it's okay to get help and yeah. or it's okay just to talk about it there is yeah. no shame there yeah. is no judgment it's okay um but i think it's taking a long time for it to get to that point
1: yeah and, and especially if you have n-
0: never experienced or needed
1: to experience any form of yeah. therapy before
0: yeah there's still a stigma around yeah around it definitely so.
1: and it comes down to how you were parented as yes. well. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you know uh, were you just kind of left to, to get on with it. Um, you know, or, or were you nurtured essentially that, you know, and if you have always had to be the strong one, the resilient one, then it it will naturally feel like you are failing. Mm. If you need to reach out and say, actually, you know, I'm not coping. Mm -hmm. This is not good. I'm not, you know, I'm having terrible thoughts and, and i feel like running away or i feel like doing something awful and mm. you know it's it's very very difficult to voice that yeah um and so the the work that i do postpartum is very much about saying to people that, that it's okay and and it, it, even if it, it's just having a chat you know we can we can disguise a therapy session as a, as a chatting session. You yeah. know how to ask the questions to get people to feel like they are outing whatever it is that needs to be said yeah. um, and processing that as a result. Um, so it doesn't, you know, a lot of people think, oh, therapy is very heavy. It's very, you know, it can be, but if you need it to be, if you want it to be, but it doesn't have to be. And the training I've had is more for, for people who are just essentially not going through PTSD and trauma and um, severe depression, but more for people who are just needing a bit more mental balance.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Learning new techniques, new, new skills, new things to apply that will help in the yeah. long run.
0: Yeah. So you um, have or are recently releasing the Mindful Guide for Parents. Yes. Feels like a good segue. <laughs> I
1: am so excited about this. It's been a long time coming. So it's, it's essentially a mental wellbeing guide for parents. It, it tackles the psychological and the emotional issues of becoming a parent and kind of covers re- elements of being in that first sort of six months with a baby. Mm. Even if it's not the first, you know, subsequent pregnancies and babies, it's it's always a new experience. Every baby is different. Yeah. Um, so, mental well-being is, you know, we, we talk about it a lot these days, um, but applying. I <laughs> applying it is is very different. Yeah. And especially when you're becoming a parent for the first time, you're transitioning into, into something that is the unknown. Um, and perhaps you've got expectations that are potentially unrealistic. Mm. Um, we live in a society that does that often for us. Even if we try not to, we still can set ourselves up for feeling like we're not achieving, we're, we're, we're failing somehow as new parents. And also at a time when we are the most are most tired, and that you know, that time of extreme vulnerability. Yeah. Um and um I love Brené Brown I fo- I follow her work and and if if Nereza ever watched her TED talk on vulnerability yeah, please do you have to yeah um and and so you know I've referenced quite a lot of that in into this guide. Um, and also we talk about, um, sort of, you know, early attachment, um, and learning to parent ourselves in that time as well, um, building resilience and being there for each other. And there is stuff in there for partners too, yeah. because it isn't all about the mother. Yeah. Um, a lot of partners are, you know, increasingly these days feeling even more isolated, yeah. um, and mentally unstable. Um, and not able to express it at all because women talk about it more than, than yeah, men do. Definitely. definitely. Um, obviously, that's a generalisation, but it's, yeah. it, it does generally happen like that bec- just because of the way our brains are wired, essentially. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was important to create something that would give people um, ideas to, to, to just be there for each other and to be there for themselves. Um, that's not to say that you don't need support, you do a lot of it, and we don't generally have enough because more and more we're isolated, so we don't have that knowledge. Yeah. I say isolated, you can feel isolated in, in the middle of a city, yeah, w- and you just don't know your neighbours, and it's... But with family further away um, and, and f- that close sort of friendships that, that happen, you know, maybe as a result of having children as well, actually. Yeah. Um, but it's it's... I, the idea being that it isn't just, having a baby isn't just about the birth, and it's not just about buying all the nice stuff. That's great, <laughs> and it can, you know, it can have some sort of instant satisfaction, but after a while, when you're spending all that money on material things, you need to, they need to make you feel something. Yeah. And it's when those things don't make us feel that we then start to feel that there's a void and we need to fill it with something and if we're vulnerable and tired it's going to it's it's not the best place to start from yeah um and that's when we start to feel off balance yeah um so this guide is primarily a guide again i you know i love all the books that i read and i reference but um it's important to take what you need from something and turn it into your own yeah um, so, there's it incorporates mindfulness, it, it, it there's I, CBT ideas, so there's questionnaires, there's mp3 downloads of meditation tracks that I've written, there's really simple stuff, just, just breath work, just relaxation. There's no right or wrong, yeah, um, but it's tools that are there to be able to, if you're in the middle of the night and you're struggling and you're, you're just not sure what to do, feeling a bit desperate, then you can listen to one of the tracks that will help you to connect with all the other people in the world that are awake with you right now, in that time. Mm, that's um, such a nice thought. And two, it's just sort of little things like that. Yeah. Um, ideas for kind of micro moments of self-care. I'm a huge fan of Susie Redding. Don't know if
0: you've come across her, yeah,
1: um, she's, she's sort of the guru of self care as far as I'm concerned. She and was at
0: Make Birth Better, wasn't she? Was, she? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah.
1: Her. And she's, she's really inspiring, um, a mother as well, herself, and uh, just challenging the world to find more time for self care yeah. and saying it doesn't have to be a big thing. And self care is brilliant and, and it helps to build your resilience but it also helps to make you feel confident or helps you to be more confident to ask for the help when you need it. Yeah. Because if you're taking care of yourself and you're understanding yourself better and you're more aware, then you're more likely to ask for the help when you need it or reach or reach out for the support. Yeah. Join the groups or, you know, yeah. than if, if you're not. If you're not taking care of yourself and you're feeling really low, then it's, of easier also to go into lockdown disconnect totally yeah
0: definitely um when we become parents we spoke about this earlier and and now really you're you know it has a knock-on effect we focus so much on the birth but then you go home and you're a couple with a baby (laughs) And there yeah. isn't a great deal. I mean definitely not in our our standard healthcare system, there is zero support after having a baby when it comes to relationship health. Yeah. Um, you know, you have your the mum has six week sign off where a GP looks at a computer and not at you. Yeah. And then, <laughs> just getting a bit angry over here. Oh, and I don't then uh starting on
1: that disempowerment. Oh my yeah. goodness.
0: Um but there is no follow up for the partner at all that I'm aware of. Um, and no follow-up for the well-being of you as a couple yeah. or a new family unit, but you do focus on that in your work Yeah, I do um, Having gone through it three times with four babies. Yeah, so you've had twins I after have,
1: Yeah, I've seen and obviously in the work that I've done over the years. I have just seen how how having a new baby can affect a relationship and well even in pregnancy um, and I, I don't really understand why there isn't more work focused on relationships and relational coaching antenatally yeah. because if we, if we do just take a moment to be a bit more honest and to ask ourselves the questions as what do we need in this moment right now when we're feeling at our most low and our most vulnerable you know, obviously that brings out the ugly side in us if we can go through that with an open mind and an awareness well, with our partner then it, it helps so so much because we're less likely to take it personally we are less likely to do that second-guessing um, our, our self-worth will feel more we'll feel more bonded we'll feel much more connected yeah. um, and and again, it doesn't have to be great big grand gestures, it's about an understanding of, you know, what right now I am just not feeling very good and I kind of need you to help me feel a bit better, what mm. can we do? Mm. So my client's antenatally, we discuss the relational elements, um, relationship with self first, yeah. and then relationship with partners, then with family members, then with friends, and then it goes out to work as well, so yeah. your relationship with not only your work colleagues but your relationship with the idea of work and what yeah. that means to you as well. Yeah. Um, and then everybody goes away with some questionnaires to work through um, yeah. and compare with their partners. So that can bring some stuff up to the surface and the sessions that we do aren't enough to really deal with that. But I then signpost people mostly to relate if needs be, or just onwards to get some therapy. Yeah. To be able to to out it before you know it's like baggage you don't want to be carrying it into <laughs> that baby chapter. Yeah. If you can help it. Yeah. Or you need to be more essentially you can be more aware of those things, which will help even if you don't necessarily have the energy or the time or the money to deal with them in that moment. It's yeah. more about we realise that this could potentially be a problem <laughs> and and at least the fact that we've admitted this to each other then we can we can look at how to make it better if it can be made better at all yeah. so you know it it is I think a lot of people are very much in denial about that and sometimes babies are, are made to fill a void in a relationship um, as that missing piece of the jigsaw puzzle we have these ideas and expectations that that's what a baby's going to do and that can be a real shocker on the other side when you yeah. realize that that's actually not the case it's not, yeah it, it can definitely. be in some ways, but um, majority of the time it's another thing that's coming between you and your partner yeah,
0: yeah. I remember when uh my husband and i we th- we recorded a podcast that's out at the moment about our relationship because we similarly to you we had a we got pregnant after like six months of being together. And where you barely know each other, let alone know <laughs> each other as parents and get yeah. to know a new baby, um, and all of our stuff got brought to the surface, and there was a long time where we were like islands, and we took it out on each other, mm. and it, you know, complete disconnect, um, resentment, anger, just all, all of the bad stuff, or not bad, but all of the ugly stuff yes. was brought up, yeah. and then we spent almost two years in therapy, um, and I mean, I'm so happy that we did it. And we will go back to therapy should more things need to be spoken about and addressed because we both see it as a really positive thing. It's it's like a badge that we wear with honour, to be honest. You know, yeah. there is zero shame about us going. Um, but if we had done that work, I mean, obviously we didn't know each other, but if we had <laughs> done that work previously, then the difference of our experience of becoming parents together, mm-hmm. I mean especially now I compare it to when we've had a second baby. And our experience now is just one of complete connection. Mm -hmm. And it's so beautiful seeing each other in that space and and having that, um, it just just feels like we're being held. We're a family unit and it feels really wonderful. Yeah, exactly. But a stark contrast to the first time around.
1: I think we do, as new parents, fundamentally, we do need to be held. Mm. we need to learn to hold ourselves um and each other um and we need to be heard too yeah we need to be able to to express how we're feeling and if you've hit an impasse and and you're just not understanding each other for whatever reason then sitting in a session with with somebody mediating and facilitating that is so so useful and powerful in in so many ways Mm. but it is also scary yeah yeah and and it takes a lot of courage it really does yeah um and so that's why i kind of like to get the ball rolling Mm. um and everybody that's that's done those sessions with me that's done the courses with me i've never ever had anybody come back saying no that didn't work
0: yeah
1: uh, you know it's it, people are, are saying wow this has connected me more than I've ever felt with with my other other half or you know husband yeah. wife partner it's and equally with family members too but learning to have the courage to step back from relationships that are not making you feel good about yourself mm. um we look at also the relationship that we have with people that we don't really know but you know following on social media for instance and it's about you know, making the conscious decision to step back um, for you know for your mental well-being mm. to say actually you know if that if I'm following that person and you know I'm, I'm engaging with them with, all the time and they're not making me feel good about myself well it's, it's not really the best best thing for me because I am at my most vulnerable right now Um, but mainly you know relationship with um, with friends as well obviously that all changes when you have a baby as much as you believe it won't it does in some way or another so Mm. it's just useful just to sit and think about it for a while It doesn't have to be you know a very deep thing um, and it can bring stuff up to the surface but it's really worth Doing. Mm-hmm. I remember um, when I fell pregnant the first time. Um, my um, my friend Bex said to me just before he was I, I went into labour. She said to me, um, uh, "Yeah, she said you have got rid of all your emotional baggage, haven't you?" Before he comes into your arms, and I remember looking at her, thinking, "What do you mean by that?" So I, I took some time later to to think about you know my the way I was brought up and. I hadn't really reflected on it much. I've sort of been yeah. in denial, as as is often I think the case. So common, I yeah. you know want this baby, and it's all going to be fine. Um, and the minute I started to kind of reflect on that, I started to think, oh wow, there's a hell of a lot that I still need to let go of. By which time it was kind of too late. <laughs> <Yeah. and laughs> he was on his way, um, but. If you can do that, yeah. um, with some help, you don't need to just sit there and meditate on it, obviously, and especially if, the, if it's painful, then I would advise doing it with a professional, mm. um, or at least just kind of noting down some of the things that you can talk about at a later date that might, might be an issue. Mm. When we are born as parents, and our babies are born, um, we also have a lot of stuff come to the surface from our childhood, it yeah. is very natural that that happens. Um, so that can be that can be quite I- an interesting process in itself, um, and can go on for quite a long time.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So it is worth seeing if you can get some form of help or just reflect on it a little before those yeah. come along.
0: And I think just bringing that awareness, mm-hmm. um, will go a long way. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. We can't make it better if it's happened or before, yeah. we, can't, we can't change things and I, I spend a lot of time with my clients th- talking about being in the, in the moment. That's not to say that we're, we're, we're shutting everything down that's ever happened to us, but it's more about how can we live in this moment and appreciate it, where mindfulness kicks in so beautifully, um, and, and acceptance techniques. Yeah. That's not acceptance. Is not about surrendering to something, but it's it's more about seeing how how it's going to make you feel, if you really absorb with it. So it's about accepting that it's there. Mm. That we, the kindest thing we can do with ourselves is not to try to change it, and not to fight it, and just say, actually, this has happened. Mm. Okay. What can we do about it? How can we feel better about it from now on? Or how can we manage it mm. more?
0: Yeah. <laughs> um okay so thank you very much for your time that's all right my love if people want to find you where do they find
1: you <laughs> well um they can find me on com, which is m a double m a coach.com um or email directly at sophie at com. um with my twin birth as well, as a result of going through that, which yeah. was also quite traumatic, but obviously won't go into it now, but it was twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. So if anybody ever wants to talk to me about that, if they're going through
0: it... I feel that we actually maybe should talk about that, because I don't know what that means. Do you, do you? Okay. So are you happy to Yeah, I am. I yeah. don't know how much we've, time you've got. We've got time. <laughs> People can listen or not, but I think it's useful, as you've, as you've mentioned it, yeah. to kind of clarify.
1: Yeah, because it's, essentially it's another reason why I do what I do. Yeah, when I went through um, finding out that I was pregnant with, with twins was quite a shock. We weren't, um, well, consciously we weren't trying for them. Um, and obviously being told you're having twins is a shocker. Anyway. Shock enough, yeah. Um but we then found out that we were um that there was something wrong and it's called twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. Um and essentially that means the placenta is not deficient. Uh, sorry, it is um not it's not able to supply both twins with the same amount of uh, of blood flow, nutrients, etc. So one twin gets too much and the other oh, wow. twin doesn't thrive. Okay. So, um, and it's life-threatening for both twins. Um, so we had uh, Rue, who was known as Twin A, whose little heart was being put under so much pressure because there was just way too much going into him and out of him um, via the umbilical cord from the placenta. And then Beau was this tiny, tiny little thing whenever we saw on the, on the scans, just this little thing that just wasn't thriving. He hardly had any fluid around him and it was it was a tremendously stressful time as Mm. you can imagine um we had we were told that we for each week that we might not have one or both the following week so we were having to have weekly scans they offered procedures to me um that could counterbalance the blood flow etc etc but to me um i I didn't want any any kind of interfering with essentially and I I got some hypnotherapy I used all that I knew in Mm. terms of all the tools and skills that I have to to really focus on just being in the moment a lot with those babies and really focusing on nurturing them it was very hard to to connect with Bo because he was this tiny little thing and I wasn't sure I could feel Reuben kicking sometimes, but I could never feel Bo. So for me, it was like, I I couldn't, I didn't know if he was ever going to survive. Yeah. Um, but I spent so much time working on, on, on just being with them and in nurturing them. And then at 28 weeks, so we were told at 18 weeks, we had the condition at 28 weeks. We were told that my body had grown a new blood vessel that was counterbalancing the blood flow. From the placenta to the twins, and therefore technically we didn't have twin to twin transfusion syndrome anymore. It oh was called goodness. a triple A or something, and all the consultants came running into the room, just going, "Wow, we don't often get to see one of those. Amazing, wow. amazing." Um, but they still insisted that the twins come out early. They were trying to take them out from thirty weeks, and I kept them in till thirty three. Um, And then they had to be born by caesarean section. I found that very, very difficult. Mm. Um, But again, I had more hypnosis um, to get myself through my fears of the caesarean section and what I knew postpartum as well, that they were going to be in NICU again. So that had obviously brought brought up a lot of stuff. But again, not one person asked me about my previous birth experiences and how I was going to be. With this, there wasn't, and it was all about the babies and nothing about me at all. Um, I wasn't offered any counselling. It
0: just blows my mind. Yeah, everyone does mine
1: too. (laughs) And um, and so, you know, you become a number in a system, um, and it's all about the uh, you know lessening the risk of of birthing babies, of course, which is so so vitally important, but. We are the vessels that are growing the babies, and we matter too. Mm. Um, so they came out, and they were in NICU, um, and Bo, it was it was a tricky time. Um, the most traumatic thing for me actually was leaving them, having to leave them in the hospital and go yeah. home, um, and that brought about quite a lot of trauma for me. Um, a couple of months at, down the line, once we were home, they had reflux as well, so.
0: Um, how, how long were they left in NICU?
1: Um, We were in there for three weeks, so it was really good. I was like a lioness. I was there as often as yeah, I could be, I feeding them, feeding them. They had to be fed through tubes for a while, so I was pumping. But again, not one person saying to me, are you okay, you know, sitting on my own in this pumping room for Ooh. hours and hours and hours on end. Just, yeah, with two other little boys who were at school. Um, you're and an I'm absolute needing to get back to them, <laughs> but it's exactly why I want to help people now, mm. and so I, I now teach um, twin birth and cesarean birth workshops as well, right. about how to make them positive experiences, yeah. Yeah. Um, and being fully educated as to how to work with the system uh, yeah. that you're in, because yeah. There is so much that you can do even though it does feel like you are very disempowered that things yeah. are being done to you it's not and there is there are so many ways that you can be yeah. beautifully in control and feeling feeling really quite you know internally balanced yeah um and then have to recover quite you know as quickly as you need to postpartum mm. as well there's so much um, to be said for breath work and, and relaxation Absolutely. to yeah. get the body healing quicker. It's mm-hmm. something that we d- we just don't associate with healing weirdly. Yeah. Especially in, in, in the matrescence period. But it's so vital for us. Yeah. Um so that is why I, you know, really do what I do. I I did end up with um PTSD symptoms again as a result of that Although it was never diagnosed, because, again, I, I didn't want anybody to take my babies away from me, so at my six-week check, I just told them I was completely fine. Yeah. Yeah. But I wasn't. <laughs>
0: yeah. Did you recognise the symptoms of it sooner, the second time round, after the twins? Did you kind of go, aha? Yeah. I knew it in my pregnancy okay. with them, yeah. Um,
1: which is why I put so much time and effort anyway into... Ensuring my mental well-being mm. as much as I could with the therapies I was having mm. and I journaled a lot And I still do Advocate for, for writing it down. It's a brilliant cognitive behavioral exercise to yeah. do um, And and really can help you to reflect um, Even if you're just putting bullet points down it's, yeah. it's something that's getting it out and helping you to see it for what it is yeah. Essentially, being a lot more realistic um, so, so CBT there's a, there's a lot of that You know, thought sheets and, and, and essentially that is as far as I'm concerned that's journaling yeah. um, so it's just about learning to, to ask yourself the questions of what you're thinking and why um, and sometimes just to be able to, to sit with it and observe those thoughts rather than, than dive in and, and get engaged with them and that helps enormously so I did lots of that and um, I did have um, eventually I did reach out for some help yeah. Um but they put me on a really high dose of sertraline and I felt awful on it. It made me feel worse. So I took myself off it without telling anybody. Um and I just walked and walked and walked with the babies and meditated and ate healthy food. Um but I did I did really get sort of sucked into other things as well. My kind of you know the coping strategy that I have of just Going into a project and getting really fixated on it. So at the time we were renovating a house
0: (laughs) with (laughs) twins and two other children. My just (laughs) dad. I'm
1: so mental (laughs) in more ways than one. But the good thing is, is that now when I have low days, and we all do have them, you know, I'm much better at dealing with them. Mm. Um, And. And I have, as I said, so much empathy and compassion for anybody that, that needs my help, that I have so much time to sit with people and just mm. be there for them and, and to hold them in the moment if that's what they need. Mm. Because that is essentially what I needed so much of and wasn't getting it. Yeah. Um. I could you know, I didn't have support from my family. Um, and, you know just to be able to cry in somebody's arms would have made so much difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. 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 To, to be seen and heard, right? Totally. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, no, it's just got so much um, weight to that that mm. I think we often underestimate just having a connection. Yeah. But as you said, women or families can fear getting um, help in an official way because mm. we fear children being taken away or... You know, actually having that in-between yeah. of someone just to hold space for you.
1: And also to understand that we can use our children and our babies in a way that we don't normally think of because of that oxytocin factor. It is mm. tremendously healing and it, it triggers the right hormones that we need mm. to, to feel better, to yeah. feel good. So if you can, with intent really nuzzle into that baby and really notice them and and in terms of sensory Mm. smell them touch them stroke them squidge them exactly it sets about the right hormonal response in you that will help you to feel better Mm. and to feel more connected Mm. and in turn your baby will respond really beautifully and it's exactly what they need anyway so often we don't do that because we're not feeling good about ourselves we putting our babies down more. We're not carrying them as much. We're, you know, we're dissociating from them where we need to actually be connecting even deeper and even more with them and mm-hmm. with our partners too. So having those hugs before drugs, we say in hypnotherapy, <laughs> but it works. <laughs> to a, to a degree, to a degree it works. It yeah. really does. Just having that closeness, thinking about oxytocin, Yeah. Um, that miraculous addictive hormone.
0: Yeah. That probably made the baby in the first place. Yeah, it did, do. <laughs> sure. Well, let's hope it did, anyway. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. It's alright, my love. Um, Pleasure. Cool. So people can find you at com. Yes, they can. And, um, and
1: Sophie at Um, And for, for therapy as well, I have another website which is Birch Therapy, but that's you know more for for anybody who's not a uh, you know going through pre or, or post naked yeah. issues but just would like my help and the mama
0: coach links to that as well doesn't yes, it so yes, you can yes. get to one to the other yeah great cool yeah. thank you so much You're